Hi, I'm Iris Muller. I'm a certified rehabilitation counselor and a proud mom of two children, one of whom has quadriplegic cerebral palsy and is nonverbal. And I'm Alma Schneider, a licensed clinical social worker and the proud mom of four children, one of whom has Prader-Willi syndrome. In this podcast, we discuss the uncensored truth about raising kids with disabilities. Prepare to laugh, cry, and hopefully learn something new. This is Two Moms No Fluff. Hello, and welcome to Two Moms No Fluff. I'm Alma, and I'm here with my friend Iris. And if this is your first time, welcome. We have all sorts of topics related to parenting children with disabilities, and today is no exception. Iris, would you like to introduce our topic for today? Yes, very much. So, hi, Alma. Uh, Today, we are going to talk about pets all the way to service animals. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know that many, many people have a, a special relationship to their family pet and the relationship might change, grow to the better or worse once you have a child with a disability. We want to discuss that and discuss the different options so people can decide what they want to do if they were thinking of adopting a pet, if they think about uh, getting a service animal for their child. Alma, do you want to start with the story of your own? Because I know this has been a hot topic in your house recently. It has. It has. So sadly, our beautiful, loving, yet absolutely insane and challenging Beagle passed away a few weeks ago. We are all still devastated. But I do want to talk about our journey with him because I think it um, can be a benefit to, for others. So, where do I begin? Um, 11 years ago, uh, my family was clamoring for a dog. And I said, not in a million years. Because (laughs) I know that I will do all the work and that nobody will help me. And as much as I absolutely love dogs and I grew up with a dog, I said, I cannot take on anymore. I just can't. I have four kids. There's too much to do. And then one day, I remembered that having a dog was the most important part of my childhood. And I got the dog when I was in fourth grade. And I thought to myself, how on earth can I deprive my children of that incredible relationship I had with our dog, Smudge? (laughs) How could I possibly have a house in the suburbs with a yard and deprive my children of that beautiful love? So I said to my family, we have to get a dog. I went from, from one day to the next, from one day saying absolutely not, not in a million years to oh my God, we have to get a dog. So it was my decision. I knew what I was getting into. I knew that I would have to do the work, but I felt that as a parent, uh, it was a really important, it was going to be a very important part of our family. Little did I know that the dog that we ended up choosing would be probably the most difficult member of the family to deal with. (laughs) And would take probably the most effort ahead of my day than any of the other people. So what I want to tell you all is that it is of the utmost importance to do your research. 
do your research. I chose a beagle because we went online. We had a friend who volunteered at an animal shelter in New York City, and she would peer. And when she found out we were looking for a dog, she just kept sending us pictures and profiles of, of these cute dogs who uh, needed a home. And I didn't want to get a puppy because I. I remember how hard it was when I was growing up, how the dog really needed to go out a million times and it would wake you up in the middle of the night and all of these things. And I really wanted to avoid that situation. So what I, we decided to do was look for a dog that was very young, but, but you know, had already been house trained because they were already, you know, they were out of puppyhood, but that they were still young that our kids would have a whole life with them, you know, most of their life because dogs obviously don't live as long as people. So we ended up choosing a dog that was two years old and it was a beagle. And I did do a little research. We went online and we found that if you're living in, and we chose a beagle because beagles are very gentle and good with kids, but they howl and they bark a lot. But um, the research said, you know, if you live in an apartment somewhere in an apartment building, you don't want to get a beagle because they'll make noise. But if you're in a house, it's another story. So we figured, okay, we live in a house, we can do that. So we went and we went to the shelter. We saw this cute dog. And I, and let me tell you that, um, my oldest, who's now 21 and a half was, uh, uh, probably eight or so when we got the dog and she wanted a dog so desperately. And when one telling her that we were getting a dog was one of the happiest days of my life because yeah. she started crying and she couldn't believe it. And she said, now I know what tears of joy mean. <laughs> <laughs> and it was so fun to be able to tell her that. Um, we get the dog and this dog is cute. It's jumping all around. What we didn't know is that Beagles pretty much are one of the hardest dogs to train and to housebreak. Oh, no. So for 11 years, we dealt with a dog who peed and pooped all over the house. Oh, no. For 11 straight years. We dealt with a dog who was so traumatized by being in a shelter that he destroyed every part of our house when we would leave because he had such separation anxiety mm -hmm. that being said we love this dog so much he was so sweet and he provided so much comfort and so much love to our children that we never regretted it we do regret having um not done enough research and we do regret that we um well, that we couldn't make uh, as much of an effort as we would have liked to get him trained um, because our kids were too young and, and everything we tried to do to train him, the kids would behind our back, you know, give him food or <laughs> yell at us if we tried to give him discipline. So um, that's, that's the bulk of our story. Um, the, the kids really want another dog now, but I am taking a massive break from having the dog because it is it is a huge responsibility to have a dog especially a dog that um may not may not be the easiest dog and i need a break from from 
having to rush home to have the dog, you know, let out to, we had to lock our garbage. We couldn't leave any food around the house anywhere because he would, he would, he was very food aggressive, very, very sweet dog. But if there was food around, he would bite your hand off to get it. And that's a lot to deal with. And especially because I cook all the time, he was constantly trying to get food. He was, we, you know, as I said, we always had to lock the garbage because he was always trying to get into the garbage and he would make a huge mess. So I'm taking a break for now, but I, I, I hate to admit that we probably will not be able to go the stray dog route next time. We're going to really have to get a dog that is um, known to be a, a breed that is, um, that doesn't have all the difficulties. And as a social worker and a humanitarian, it pains me to say that because all I want to do is save every dog in the world. But um, I don't think we could go through that again. Emma, uh, first of all, I uh, again share my condolences with your family. You. I Thank know you. what a huge, huge loss it was and uh, what a huge, huge endeavor it was to actually have this dog and how much attention. I don't think people can actually understand what craziness like evolved in in the caregiving of that uh, pet. It's uh, <laughs> it's <laughs> thank you. I appreciate the validation. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a different different story altogether. Now I want to say two things. First of all, Alma, and I don't know if you know that, but as a teenager, I used to volunteer in the Humane Society in Israel. Oh my gosh. This... I learned something new about you and your fascinating history. Every episode. <laughs> so I wanted to say something to contradict, if I may, what you said about uh, the breeds and the research. Okay. Sometimes the best uh, pets that you can get, and sometimes even service animals, because I know that even here in the U.S., there is a, an organization that trains service animals that they pick out in animal shelters. Wow. So it's, yeah, okay. it is. Uh, anyway, I, um, what I wanted to say is that uh, sometimes those, uh, those uh, dogs are so kind of uh, appreciative of the rescue that mm-hmm. they really become the most obedient and uh, and useful kind of uh, pets because they uh, they kind of got a second chance in at life wow. and they know it. But, well, sign uh, me up. Yeah, <laughs> I'll but, take it. Uh, there are uh, also ways uh, in when you go to an animal shelter to kind of like test your your choice and see if this dog would be like a, a good uh, addition to your family or not. Beagles, yes, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But uh, we as a family, we don't have a, we have two cats that are pets and we have a service dog, a fully certified service dog. So if if you know anything about uh, service uh, animals, there's a different levels of training. You can have a a, a therapy uh, dog or an emotional support dog. You can have a, a, a facility dog. And at the top of the line, you have the fully certified service dog that uh, is a dog that can accompany the child uh, or in, if it's an adult, the adult with a disability, wherever they go, like uh, to the ER, on planes, uh, restaurants, uh, shows. Uh, our service dog has seen tons of Broadway musicals. <laughs> right he's very worried no sorry (laughs) anyway what i wanted to say (laughs) is that uh, uh, we alma knows our dog he's a labradoodle so he doesn't shed 
and uh, some of the doodles and poodles, they also, uh, they don't need to pee that often uh, in contrary to other really? dogs. So hmm. it's a very easy dog even to have if you live in an apartment, which we have lived for at least uh, the majority of his life. And uh, he's extremely obedient in and, uh, and kind and uh, gentle he doesn't bark he doesn't bite he would let you do anything and everything with him and still my plea to the parents that are listening today is please please do consider and do anything you can to avoid taking a pet or a service dog if you're not 120 percent sure that you need it and that it would contribute to your life in the same kind of or at the same extent that um you would have to invest in caring for that uh, uh, service dog or a pet. Uh, do you want me to go into details now or should Sure, okay, sure. So, um, obviously, the difference in scenario between having a pet is that a pet is, some, uh, is a companion or a friend that would wait for your child at home and that your children can enjoy the, the company and the friendship of when they're at home. A service dog uh, is actually um, considered, at least in the United States, almost like not almost in some places, it is considered as durable medical equipment that is supposed to accompany the person with the disability wherever they go. So you cannot separate, let's say, a guide dog or a service dog from the person who they are helping. Um, there's uh, different, uh, of course, characteristics. Uh, a guide dog is usually a leader and a service dog is usually a follower and they also uh, kind of sort them to the different programs according to their uh, i guess nature but um, uh, our dog was trained to do certain uh, tasks for karen and to help her out in the community and in the house and amongst the among the things that he was uh, meant to do, it, uh, he was able to pick up objects that she dropped because she can barely hold an item in her hands. So um, that would be one. He knew how to turn light switches uh, on and off. Uh, he uh, was able to like uh, open uh, doors. And most importantly, he was able way back then when we got him and Karen was just six years old, to brace in standing and I would kind of lean Karen on top of him so I can go with her to the bathroom on my own because otherwise oh. you can imagine at that age if she needed to go to the bathroom I had to kind of throw her over my shoulder so I can undress her and sit her on the toilet and then somehow throw her back on my shoulder and struggle with dressing her like that because the other option was always to kind of lay her down on a bathroom floor, which is absolutely nasty. And uh, with the service dog, I would just tell him to brace and then I would lean her over the dog and I would help her get dressed or undressed and then help her to the bathroom, which relieved me of like kind of <laughs> I had my two hands again. Wow. So it was like, as you can hear, extremely helpful. It is the sweetest dog in the world. And yet, I'm telling you guys, reconsider. Oh, and, wow. <laughs> yes. And, and the reason is, is that many times the, the actual help that you receive from the dog can be more easily 
supplemented by help from uh, you know the adult that is with the child or um, the reality of the quality of service kind of from the service dog is such that uh, it's not uh, maybe how would I say it's kind of negotiable whether whether you needed the help or not so I'll give you an example my daughter for example she uses a stylus in her mouth to a press on her iPad and she uses a markers that she holds in her mouth to to draw or to write and when she drops that if I uh, pick it up I can just uh, wipe it with a pacifier wipe and put it back in her mouth but if my dog picks it up then I need to take it to the sink disassemble the whole kind of uh, mouthpiece and wash everything and it takes much more work um, I'm giving this as an example because we had to slowly win him of the habit of picking those oh, up wow. because it created so much more work to have him pick it up. We were hopeful, for example, that he would be able to sleep uh, with Karen in her bed and then she'll be able to hopefully sleep not in our bed and still have a warm body next to her. But we very soon realized that because of her lack of ability of moving her head even, uh, independently in bed he was a dog still and he didn't think about oh i'm blocking her airways if i put my head this way or that way and she can't do anything to protect herself so we had to skip that he was extremely helpful in the bathroom for about um, a year and a half and then karen became too tall to actually mm. be able to hang her kind of over the dog yeah and, uh, and we had to stop with that uh, so I'm kind of like giving you a brief overview of the things that uh, were uh, working and stopped working. And mm -hmm. finally, the main, main reason that we wanted to have the service dog, and I touched on it a bit in a different episode, was that we were really hoping that uh, it would break the kind of isolation uh, situation that people would be drawn to the dog and hence would uh, the dog would kind of bring people to Karen. And to that, I have to say that, yes, it did brought people over to Karen, but in many ways it brought people over, the dog brought people over to the dog and it yeah. ended with them giving attention, compliments and interacting with the dog and it made the situation with Karen and the fact that they would not talk to her, uh, ignore her presence or not uh, not acknowledge that she's the owner of the dog, even mm -hmm. more insulting or severe. Yeah. To top it I all off, I just want to say all of this is describing our family situation and not yours. If your child has seizures, and you get a seizure detection dog or a dog that can bark when blood sugar levels change, there's no replacement to that dog. Right. There is no person that can bark before a grand mal or do a different bark before a petit mal. There, there isn't like a, a substitution for it. And then a service dog would be terrific for your family. But um, I guess that was my personal take on our experience. Yeah. And I remember you saying in another episode, um, how sometimes you're blocked. So many people come over to the dog 
that you're you're it's an obstacle to getting where you need to go because you don't want to be rude to them and say I really need to go um, but it it slows you down sometimes so that's that's another you know downside well, not, you actually listen to me during this I always okay. Iris I'm open ears at all times because <laughs> every morsel that comes out of your mouth is like a gem it's like a ruby or a diamond. Oh my goodness, I'll, listen, I'll, I'll yes. pay you later for the Edge company. of my seat, edge <laughs> of my seat. Um, so you gave a lot of, you know, cautionary tales about getting a dog, but I'm going to go back to the positives. Yes. Um, our dog provided so much for Lincoln in terms of emotional support. He, this dog was so attached to Lincoln um, and would kiss Lincoln, would lick Lincoln. He was the only human that the dog would give kisses to. And I don't know why, but the dog obviously picked up on on things from Lincoln. He, the dog, never did that. Shiloh, I haven't even meant, I haven't given him the courtesy of sharing his name with you. His name was Shiloh, and Shiloh was such a comfort to Lincoln. He and Lincoln would say, he's my best friend. And he would always snuggle up at Lincoln, you know, falls asleep a lot. He's got like mild narcolepsy. And I cannot tell you how many dozens of photographs I have of Lincoln asleep on the couch and Shiloh sort of in the same position asleep next to him. They would just, you know, sleep together on the couch watching TV. Um, and Shiloh just knew when Lincoln was upset and would come over and would not, not only when he was upset, he would just always just come over to him and lick him. And Lincoln got so much love from him. And there's no replacing that. I mean, again, this dog, I am not exaggerating. This dog really required a tremendous amount of care and vigilance. But I'm not going to say I would do it all again, but it was worth it for what he provided for, for Lincoln. So you have to really think about your own life and the whole system of your family, how this dog or this animal, whatever kind of an animal it is, um, can fit into your family. And because you really, as, as Iris said, you need to weigh the pros and cons of of having an animal because you want to give the animal a good life too you don't want to you know have have an animal in your house that can't be cared for or um you know if you don't have enough money to feed the the animal that you won't have food for them like you really have to think about the finances you know we did have to pay every time we went away we had to pay for someone to watch this dog and we could have um you know, if we had had a really easy dog to take care of, we could have asked a friend to keep the dog in the house, but nobody, we had to, we had to really struggle to find even people who boarded dogs. We had to, we were, we were um, declined, I will say, um, from him being boarded at certain people's homes because he was so challenging. So um, are you hearing the parallels here, by the way, with the child with disability and the dog? Um, there were many, many parallels. And um, we, 
we ended up having to pay quite a bit of money to have people watch the dog. So if you have a very simple, you know, to care for dog, you can get friends to watch the dog if you don't have the money to, to board the dog when you go away um, or if you have to stay at work too long. But even, you know, people who aren't going away and just have a job are gone the entire day and they can't let the dog out. So there's so many factors to think about when getting when getting a dog or I keep saying dog, but any kind of an animal. My kids say, well, can we just get a fish? And I'm saying absolutely not because that is um, disgusting to me to have to clean it because I know I will be cleaning the poop out of that fish cage or whatever it's called, a fish bowl. Um, at least with a dog, you get something back. Yeah. And I wouldn't get anything back from a fish, sorry to say. <laughs> to, all the, to all the fish lovers out there, uh, sorry. But that's my personal feeling about fish and birds. I'm not a bird person. Don't want a bird. Um, so in addition to that, uh, I would like to add that, not to be redundant, in addition and add, uh, that there are ways to get that love from an animal and to get that contact with an animal outside of the house. There are dog shelters, there are cat shelters, there are classrooms that have um, pets that you can take home for the weekend. Our, li our, our uh, local dog sh and cat shelter allows kids to volunteer. The age has gone up, but um, kids can come and pet the cats. They can, um, when they get older, they can walk the dogs. They can feed um, feed the cats and just give them, give them love. So that's something that can kind of, the kids can get their fix or the adults can get their fix by being with these animals. You can also go to a friend's house. I have friends who have um, taken in their friend's pets when they go away. So it's like a temp, it's like a foster parent for a dog you can also uh your family can be a respite um sign up for for animal respite if there's a dog or a cat or any kind of animal that is not being adopted you can be on a list to just take care of that dog for a week or a weekend and those are great opportunities to to be with the animal but not have the the major commitment that is required when you are the uh, you know full-time companion of the animal yeah, I um, I want to a, thank you for uh, mentioning all of those options. And I think that every family who is considering a pet should first try like the temporary route and, and mm -hmm. see how how it feels like and how it affects their lives. I uh, I have to be like very, very honest when uh, at least in the uh, organization where we got our service dog, um, you would go to the boot camp, which, what they call the boot camp, the two weeks in which they kind of uh, train the families to actually work and handle the service dogs. You go in and you don't even know which dog you'll be getting at the end hmm. of it. You keep on rotating dogs and they kind of try to do the best match between a family and the dog. And we got like super lucky. Eli, our daughter's service dog, is the world's best dog, and I am not yes. accepting any other words to describe him. But other families like got uh, service dogs that were as qualified, and they were not as happy either. Uh, just for the record, Eli he has a white curly hair. In the videos that we submitted to the organization, my daughter specifically said that she wants a black 
a dog with straight hair. <laughs> so you don't know what you're going to get at the end of this process, but uh, we got the exact opposite, but still it's a perfect dog. But other families got dogs that uh, had a shedding problem or that needed to go to the bathroom more frequently than a regular dog. It was still an amazing service dog, but mm-hmm. uh, th- there was an- another mom there that at the end of our course she was absolutely in in tears totally desperate and and knowing that she's she was handed i guess a, a dog that was beyond her care capability mm. and uh, and and that's that's a real uh, problem and especially because uh, the process uh, i am not sure about it in other countries i'm aware of the process in israel and in uh, in the us but we had to apply to four different uh, organizations and uh, we also interviewed a couple of uh, private trainers and we were trying to like we did the research like we really tried to to make or find the fastest maybe route of getting a service dog because we were really determined that this I was that uh, Karen would benefit so much from having it and um, uh, at the end of the day if you are eager and 100% certain that your family needs a, a service dog, I would recommend applying simultaneously to several different charities. And go with the charity because no matter, um, you know, training a service dog can be around $50,000 by the time wow. you get it because they're bred for the mission. They're being like checked physically. They, they check their shoulder strength and their... Uh, eyesight and all of that before they certify a dog and then they put two years of training into that dog no matter the food and the veterinary care through those two years of training before the family actually receives the service dog so go with a charitable organization and not an organization that would charge you because between you and i we all know that we have extra costs anyway that are uh, related to raising our kids with disabilities and the if there is a way to get the dog for less rather than more, go with less rather than more. In addition, yeah. a side note about uh, trainers. Uh, I want to just give an example from the uh, agency that we received our service dog from, uh, that they would uh, sort out like only one in four dogs would actually graduate. But if you take a puppy and you let a trainer train them, they can only reach however much they can reach. You can't later exchange the dog, if you know what I'm saying. So there is a gamble in that process. And uh, when a service dog uh, facility, they have a litter of puppies that are being born. The moment that they're born, at least that's the process in the uh, agency that we received it, they mark them with a uh, nail polish on their backs. So there is red dog, green dog, and <laughs> etc. And they already start like within two weeks, they already sorted out a few of them because they know that they're not the right type, if that's a, a saying. And then they have a year of basic training and then another year of advanced training. And, and they just throughout the process, they kind of uh, narrow the options down until they, they have the graduating class and then they invite the families in. Wow. <laughs> and in Israel, do they have to go through the army like uh, you did? <laughs> <laughs> I was 
serious for a moment I thought because they do have dogs in the military as well <laughs> like my aunt who's a, a vet so she actually worked with dogs in the military as well so I was like <laughs> taken aback and so after they do their military training they travel the world with their <laughs> hippie clothes and their backpacks um exactly. and we see them <laughs> all over town oh. doing their year of travel exactly that's the <laughs> service dogs from Israel <laughs> I am um, sure many people who take an insult in that thinking. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I have no, the utmost like, respect for all of no, you. This is <laughs> and all the Israeli dogs. No, the, no, no. <laughs> because sometimes in, in the military, like we call each other like a guard dog, because if you're assigned to, you know, guarding the gates of the base at night, you're a guard dog. So oh, I'm funny. just like now it's a guard dog <laughs> on vacation. An actual guard dog <laughs> on vacation. And that uh, being said, just uh, telling everybody that a service dog would not provide any guard dog uh, services because they're trained not to bark. So if right. you have a stranger walking into your house and this, the stranger is distressed, your service dog would come and comfort them while they're robbing you. Oh, But they God. won't do anything else uh, to help you out. Well, that that reminds me of, of Shiloh. Since he's passed, we never know when somebody's at the door because our doorbell apparently isn't loud enough. And so I keep missing people. They keep calling me and texting me like, it's at the door. I've been out here for 15 minutes. Um, so it is nice to have a dog for that reason, too, if they're if they're a barking dog. Um, and I'm also wondering why you didn't tell Karen when she got the dog with the curly hair, not the straight, that the dog just got a perm. Because the... she wanted a, a black dog and it was white. <laughs> Could have dyed it. Could have dyed the hair and said it got a perm. Um, oh, that's funny. Um, <laughs> it was like the exact opposite of her description. It was so hilarious. I'm but sorry about that, dog. but but you have the best dog. You have the best dog. And if you want to see pictures of our dogs, they are on our Instagram, Two, two Moms No Fluff, and on our Facebook page, Two Moms No Fluff. Um, and I also feel a need to share... Um, what, as I'm eulogizing Shiloh here on the Two Moms No Fluff podcast, that Shiloh uh, did make his uh, television debut um, when he was only a few months old on the Martha Stewart show. Um, very sadly, there is no record of it because we had recorded it and then we moved and the recording was lost. And I have tried for years, if anybody has any connection to Martha Stewart and her old show from 2000 and I don't know when it was, I don't know, 2005 <laughs> or seven. Um, it was an episode they used to have a dog trainer on the show who eventually had his own show. And a friend of mine was the general counsel of Martha Stewart and they had an inside ask to the staff to find a dog if they if if the staff knew anybody who had a dog that was incredibly difficult um, <laughs> and was destroying their house and needed training so my friend contacted me and we met with the producer and the producers asked us all to show up on the show so all of my children and I were at the Martha Stewart show with our dog It was such a great episode. The producer did get upset with me at the end because um, my youngest daughter was only about four at the time. And 
her pants were too big, apparently, and she kept showing her butt crack uh, oh. <laughs> to the audience as she bent down. And the producer was very upset with me that I didn't put a belt on her. But the audience loved it and kept laughing. Um, but Shiloh was on the Martha Stewart show, misbehaving like he always did. And uh, again, if anyone has any ability to find us that recording, we would love it for posterity. <laughs> We love our dogs. I mean, dogs just really, they are so important. Animals are so important in our lives. And um, Let's it's... Let's switch to cats, can do it. though, before we end. I'll mm -hmm. to it. All right. Not a cat I'm person. Not, not a cat person, but I'll let you talk. <laughs> uh, yes. So uh, a few words about cats um, that uh, are worth mentioning. Uh, as you all know, cats require... A friction of the amount of uh, time and effort that uh, a dog requires in terms of the care needs. And if your child uh, is kind of homebound for one reason or another, uh, maybe a cat would be a good uh, solution for you. Like, um, we, we have two cats, obviously, they don't uh, have anything to contribute beyond being cuddable, cuddly, cuddly. 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 Cuddly, yes, <laughs> but uh, that, that's that's the most that they can do for us. We're, we're basically their service animals and <laughs> we just obey their commands. But uh, the, the fact is that um, it can provide uh, companionship and comfort to a degree as well um, to, to children. And I know that uh, my son, who does not have a disability, like uh, is absolutely... Uh, in love with his uh, cat that we got from the Humane Society a year ago. That's after our other two cats passed away at age 20. And um, basically uh, just, again, plan for the longevity of care. Uh, so basically um, kind of consider your options. We did have a fish, uh, a fish tank before as well. I did end up cleaning it for the benefit of everyone. It was a lot of work on my part. And I think the uh, actual uh, enjoyment was very, very minimal. And uh, uh, when we moved, we gave them to my sister and uh, it wasn't like a tragedy. It wasn't an animal that my kids were like emotionally attached to. It. And uh, it, I don't know, uh, again, each family and their uh, priorities and what it is that they are expecting and hoping from a pet. But do your homework, do your calculations of the expenses and the time allocation and do a practice run. If you have the hopes that your kids would clean, let's say, a litter box uh, twice a day, take a sandbox, just take a bin and uh, ha have three toys hidden in it two times a day and make sure that your kids come back to you twice a day with the hidden toys, which would let you be on a bag of poop, you know, from the litter box. But they need to show that they are capable of participating in the caregiving so you know that you have partners on that journey because a lot of kids are very good at saying, I'll help, I'll help, I promise. And a week later, the promises are gone and you're stuck with two cats. <laughs> so That was uh, us. That was <laughs> us. One, one last thing I'd like to add is that we have to be careful about our children dealing with the pets as well to keep the pets safe. I will tell you that before we had a dog, we did have a fish and the fish vanished somehow. Oh. 
And we later found out that um, one of our kids, who shall remain nameless, uh, picked it up and threw it out of the uh, bowl. Okay, so committed fish aside. Yeah, do your research. That's number one in all areas of this. So thank you for listening. Please share your pet stories with us because we and, and our audience so that everybody can learn from you, your trials and tribulations, your venting and your success stories. Pictures, pictures of your pictures. pets with your children or without, that would be fabulous. Because at yes. the end of the day, the best, uh, the best thing is those cute, cute moments that uh, make everyone's hearts melt at the end. That's true. That's Bye, true. Alma. Thank you. Bye-bye. See you next week. For more information, please go to www.twomomsnofluff.com. Thank you. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and give it a five-star rating so more people can hear it. Thank you.